and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's newer, and today I am riding solo. I am all by myself. It's just me and my sinus pressure, <laughs> my head cold, <laughs> my um my my cough, hopefully, which I will edit out, but um, it's just me. And it's going to be kind of a mini episode, even though we have a lot of different shows to cover. This week, Real Housewives of New Jersey premiered. Um, Vanderpump Rules premiered. And then obviously we had, again, another really fun episode of Real Housewives of Miami. Um, I will talk briefly about all of those things. I mean, I'm not going to do my typical, like, usually when I'm by myself, I do like a full recap of everything that happens scene by scene mostly. Um, But I'm not because I'm sick. (laughs) I'm sick, but I still have thoughts about these shows. So um, I will share my thoughts about these shows. Um, but if you want to hear more detail of my thoughts about New Jersey, um, you can head on over to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Um, I was on his podcast this week and it was so much fun. We had a blast. We talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked about true life on MTV. We talked about just sort of Bravo as a whole. Um, this really irritating thing that's happening on Bravo these days, which is that like we'll watch a show and then suddenly they'll start rolling out receipts after the show is aired. It's just a little frustrating, right? So we talked about a lot of that stuff and Ryan is really, really fun. Um, and I dropped some tea on there from the streets of New Jersey, but I think you guys already know that tea from the streets of New Jersey. Um, but I guess it's a teaser to go over to Ryan's podcast and go check out that episode. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. Let's talk about Jersey first, uh, cause I already started talking about it. Um, Jersey premiered, we got our regular girls minus Jackie. Jackie was there kind of embarrassing herself, sadly. Um, and then we got like 17 friends of, so many friends of, can't really tell most of them apart, really enjoy the new girl, Danielle. Um, there's just something about her that feels good. Also something about her that's telling me that perhaps her children also go to my children's summer camp. She just, either I've seen her at the summer camp my kids go to, or she just looks like a lot of different girls from New Jersey, both of which tells me that I'm fine with her being on the show. Um, so the primary thing this episode, obviously the premiere of New Jersey is what everybody's talking about, which is that... We're back to where we started. Okay, let's go back, back to the beginning in the words of Hillary Duff. Okay, we're back to the same fight that we've been having for a decade now. Okay, it's the Gorga Judai siblings. They are fighting again. Um, listen, my take on that is that, as you all know, I'm not a tree hugger, but I don't fuck with Melissa Gorga. Okay. Uh, I would recommend that you go and listen to the episode I did with my brother. I think I released it over winter break. Um, It was a christening episode. Um, Just, you know what? Search my podcast and look up. um, I don't know. I I think the name of the episode was something like the father, the son, and something. The father and the son. I don't know what it was. I'll, you know what? Just, just, uh, just do it a Google. Send me a DM. Send me a DM if you want to hear the christening recap that I did with Raheel. It was really fun, but you have to listen to it because I feel like once you watch that, when you watch Joe Gorga and Melissa Gorga's first episode with, you know, a new pair of eyes of 2023 vision, when you take in just how thirsty these people were, right? From the beginning. 
you realize that um, Teresa has a point when she says that they just use her. And Teresa has a reason for why she is so bitter and angry. Um, you know, if you go back to that fight, one of the big things that comes out is that the issue was never really between Joe and Teresa. The issue was between the Joes. It was between Joe Judice and Joe Gorka. The issue was that Joe Judice came in as this schmoozy schmooze, schmooze ball and just, you know, knocked the socks off of Teresa's parents feet. Like he just made them fall in love. Here's this man. He's got money. He's older than their son, Joe. He's successful. He has businesses, all which we know were bullshit, but he came in like a really successful version of Joe of, of what, you know, he became, he came in as the successful son. And I think that, that I can totally see Nono being like, oh, you wish you could be more like Joe Judice. Like, look at Joe Judice. Look at what he's doing. Look at what he's doing. And I think that really gave little Joey Gorga, who is not our brightest, <laughs> um, a lot of complex. And so a lot of his issue really is against Joe Judice. And I think a lot of his irritation with Teresa is over Joe Judice. Even like a couple of seasons ago when they got into that fight where Melissa, for no reason at all, <laughs> threw a plate of perfectly good cheese. <laughs> that fight, that was because Joe Judice, uh, Joe, Joe Gorga wanted, and I'm sorry if I've like messed that up multiple times already, but that fight was Gorga getting mad that Teresa was not letting Gorga talk shit about Judice on camera. You know, again, it just, that's really the core of the issue. The core of the issue was always the men and they fought with each other and they created complexes with each other. And these women in these like very traditional patriarchal relationships are being left to defend these men. Um, because that's the culture. And rather than addressing the fact that the issue has always been with the men, when issues do come up, the, you know, the internalized misogyny comes just plowing through with, oh, it's Melissa that's making, you know, these things happen, or it's Teresa who's doing this and that. When it's always been the men, the issue has always been between the men. And I think that Joe Gorga's biggest gripe is the fact that he was put in this position with us by his father compared to this man who was actually not a good guy, right? And nobody at any point has ever apologized to go Gor Joe Gorga to make him feel like small. I don't think Nono ever did. I don't think that he had the uh, bless his rest, his beautiful octopus at 7 a.m. soul. But I don't think that he ever... Um, ever apologized to his son. And I don't think that he had the wherewithal. I don't think that these people have the emotional intelligence to be doing that. I don't think they have the, the, the psychology to be able to do it. There's nothing there's, you know, we can say that that's a bad, bad move as a parent. We want to be parents who apologize to our kids, but it's the reality of who these people are. It's just not in their makeup. It's not how they were raised. It's just not what parents do. They do not apologize to their children. So I don't think that Joe Gorga got the apology or the acknowledgement from his parents that he should have never been compared to this man. He should have never been put to the wayside because of this man. 
you know, he was also successful. He also had a lot going on. I think he had a complex because of it, but his parents never apologized to him. Even after that man sent their daughter to prison, his parents never recognized it. And so Joe Gorga is this small child here who is waiting for somebody to say, you know what? You were right. He's not, he wasn't the person that he, we thought he was. And you're not a bad son. You've done well too. But you're never going to get that validation, Joe Gorga, because your parents are no longer with us. You're never going to get that recognition from your sister because she also lacks the emotional intelligence. So instead, what are you going to do? You are going to have a fit on national television every single year and say that you don't care when you care the most. Nobody cares about your wife not being a bridesmaid anymore. Nobody cares. Even your wife doesn't care. Nobody cares. But you care because uh, you are waiting for some sort of weird childhood. Not weird. It was valid. You know, whatever it was. You're waiting for your childhood trauma to be validated. You are waiting for that pain to be validated by somebody. It's not going to happen. So that sucks for you. Um, Melissa Gorga, uh, you sometimes seem like Melissa Gorga presents herself like she's smarter than everybody, but she's actually not. Um, and that drives me crazy. Um, don't present yourself like you're a smart person and then actually uh, behave like an idiot, you know? Um, so she sucks. Apparently the text came out this week that they had been communicating between the reunion and and Teresa's birthday. Lots of nice things were being said. Teresa's text seemed very nice, but that, I just I agree with what Dolores said on Watch What Happens Live. Let's let's give it a rest, guys. Who cares? So what? Who cares? In the words of Fred Armisen as Joy Behar on SNL. Um, the other fight on this episode is Dolores versus Jennifer, and it cracked me up because Dolores gives no shits, and Jennifer gives all the shits, and as a result, you have a fight between two women. One who is upset for being called a cunt and the other one who thinks that being a, being called a cunt is not a big deal. And uh, therein lies the problem. And as a result, what do you get? You get Jennifer uh, Aiden popping off, getting <laughs> escorted off the property by her husband. <laughs> Making herself look stupid. Okay, I love I I love the journey that I've had with Jennifer Aiden. Jennifer Aiden is the queen of you have a point, but your delivery is shit. She has a point. Listen, those girls that came after her last season, she was upset, she was emotional, and Dolores said, "Stop fucking crying." And Jennifer said, "Huh? Why are you yelling at me and telling me to not cry? I'm upset." And Dolores said, why are you complaining about how I'm comforting you, essentially? And uh, that, and then here we are. People called each other cunts and complained on podcasts and social media about being bad friends. Dolores doesn't want to be called a bad friend because Dolores um, doesn't really care all that much. She, Dolores is somebody who's like, I don't care about you calling me a bad friend I don't care that I don't care that much about you, but also don't call me a bad friend. Well, if you don't care that much about a person, then you are a bad friend, Dolores. <laughs> but I enjoy this fight because it's like a low stakes dumb fight. It's a fight over feelings. And it's a fight over feelings with two very stubborn people. And I enjoy that. Um 
I'm just going to preface this uh, because I'm worried about how much we're going to see this man. I'm just going to disclaimer that as the season goes on and, and I we get to see more of Dolores' boyfriend, I'm just going to say I don't like this man. I don't like this man. If you want to know why, go over to uh, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey and you will hear why. Okay, well, that's it for my thoughts on New Jersey. Let's move over to Vanderpump Rules. Uh, Vanderpump Rules, okay, was not sure what my feelings are going to be going into this season premiere. But that show is back, baby. We are, it is fire. It is so good. It is so amazing because the restaurants themselves are no longer really even the focal point. I mean, they never really were. But the fact that these are now we're just looking at people who are friends with each other as people who had previously, it's like you all went to the same high school, but not most of you don't go there anymore, but you still are just friends with each other because you all went to the same high school, you know? Um, that's what we're looking at. So it's a season of breakups. We have the show opening on Katie and Schwartz's wedding in 2016 was not something I expected, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I fully enjoyed the feelings that I got. I was like, okay, this is cinema. Okay. You know what else is cinema? The new intro. The new intro is cinema. It's so good that even me thinking about it right now is giving me the chills. Now, are my chills potentially the head cold that I've had since Tuesday? Yes, but it's good. This is really, really good. Um, This is a season of breakups. We got Katie and Schwartz. We got Lala and Rand, and we got James and Raquel. Uh, Katie and Schwartz. Let's talk about them first. Um, Okay. I mean, we saw this coming. It was a nice little intro that we got there. Uh, it's interesting to see them navigate this relationship. We know that it's going to go poorly. We know that they're not doing well. We know that Tom Schwartz is on Watch What Happens Live saying that he had no regrets. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that he's, you know, we saw in the preview, he's going to hook up with Raquel and it becomes a big problem. He's a, he's a mess. He's not a good guy. Okay. That's Tom Shorts. There's nothing lovable about him. His, his charming good looks are no longer with us. So he's just generally a piece of shit. Um, and so I I'm excited for Katie. She looks good. She feels good. She's in a better place. She's no longer being dragged down by her shitty husband. Um, and I'm excited for her. I hope that she's out there being a whore. If she wants to Katie, you can be a whore if you want to. And saying, am I am I going to get canceled for being called a whore? No, you're not going to get canceled for that. You're going to get canceled for being um, racist <laughs> like your bestie, Stassi, okay, if you are going to go down that route. Um, now, speaking of Schwartz, Schwartz is really heavily involved in these other two breakups, which is very interesting for Schwartz. This is potentially Schwartz's most interesting season, like – there have been years and years where we're like, why is this man still on TV? But my God, Schwartz is really in the mix of all of the breakups. He's got his own breakup. He's now involved in Lala and Rand's breakup. So Lala and Rand breakup. Lala is, you know, so self-righteous. Like, let me tell you something about Lala Kent. I think she's a Virgo, which is really upsetting. But, uh, you know, as a Virgo myself, we're a proud people because we are often right, Okay. We go with our gut and we are often right. Now, Lala's a bad Virgo because she ignored her gut, but now she is acting like I always knew all alone or I didn't know all along. I don't know. It's very confusing. Um, 
But Lala's mad because she apparently, there was an LA Times, she had, you know, obviously the breakup, he's cheating on her. And then you had the LA Times article that basically said that she is, uh, that Rand is, you know, a fraud, a phony, a, a scammer. And on top of that, he is basically Harvey Weinstein. He was running a casting couch. Now, Lala is confused. How could that be? How could that be? The man who used to make you um, do foreplay pretending to be a casting couch girl? Actually running a casting couch? Oh, shit. No. My God. How could that be? Lala. Lala is ridiculous. So Lala's like trying to take away the attention from the fact that she actually was with a person who was who she knew was not a good person by focusing on things like this is about my life and my lawyers and my kid it's just a very she's coming in to Vanderpump rules with big housewives energy and it's funny um to watch her try to do that every year because it's like lala you're not a housewife and this is a different show it's entertaining i don't mind it but it's funny to me to watch somebody be like so self-righteous and like so sure of themselves i mean she came in with this energy last year when people were like no when she was coming for brock and people brought up stuff about rand and she was like randall emmett is an upstanding citizen of this community for that lady to come in and be like not even saying his name being like shorts went to go play pickleball with that thing girl that thing you have a baby with that thing you let that thing in you okay (laughs) don't talk about it like oh my god he's shut the fuck up lala get out of here lala also like she looks good but she's like approximately what she's seven years younger than me she looks easily and it's it's sad because she's a gorgeous girl but you guys we got to be careful with our fillers and botox i know that there's preventative stuff that we should be doing right early on but you guys got to pump your brakes because sometimes you're doing too much preventative stuff you're filling your face up with things and you are now removing your youth and now you're making yourself look like a person who's 45 lala lala looks old she looks old she's so stunning she's gorgeous but she doesn't have her youth in her face anymore. It's so confusing. But one of the funniest things to me is that Lala gathered people on Sheena's rooftop. <laughs> she had a meeting with her friends at Sheena's rooftop and she made it very clear, very clear, <laughs> extremely clear where she wanted her friends to stand. And she's in a legal battle for the custody of her child. And nobody is going to associate with Randall Emmett anymore. But Schwartz did. What did he do? He went and played pickleball like an idiot. But who cares? Also, it's funny because it's like Lala is coming in and saying these things to these guys. Like, guys, like I found out all this stuff about Randall and he's not a good guy and all this stuff. Everybody knew that except you or everybody acknowledged it except for you, Lala. So you want Schwartz to stop hanging out with this guy because you just figured out that he's a piece of shit. But everybody knew he was a piece of shit when you were bringing him around and they were still friends with him. So they've always been friends with this shitty human being. This is not new information to them. So for them to to be for you to be demanding that they stop hanging out with him is silly because it's like. They're pieces of shit that were hanging out with your piece of shit because you're the only one that ignores that everybody here is a piece of shit. You act like you're not surrounded by pieces of shit. Everybody here is a piece of shit, Lala, especially Schwartz. 
So it's like ridiculous, right? Um, I want to note that there's also another new set of accusations against uh, Randall Emmett. And allegedly, 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 there are some accusations about like underaged minors and all this kind of stuff, which is even more disturbing. And I think they are going to bring it up later about Randall. But you know what that does? Lala taking a baba, a bottle to her mouth. It looks very different now if that is true about Randall Emmett. Okay? This is not good. This is not good. But Lala, queen of um, ignoring red flags. All right. Uh, the last breakup is James and Raquel. This is very funny. It's like almost we're, we're looking at like different generations, right? It's like, like I said, where everybody went to the same school. Everyone went to the same high school. And what we're seeing is the different like generations of graduates like you graduated 20 years ago you graduated 10 years ago one of you graduated last year but your your ex is still going to that school like that's the way that these relationships are between Katie and Lala and James right all these different breakups so i it's interesting to see James and Raquel um James and Raquel are broken up James has a new girlfriend who looks like who looks like a young version of his mother, who, let's not forget, let's not do Kristen Dowdy erasure here. Kristen Dowdy, um, she was Dowdy, Dowdy, Kristen Dowdy. She was the original um, James's younger version of James's mom, right? I think Emily of She Speaks Bravo, Emily Hanks, she posted this video from her podcast as somebody else, um, one of her guests pointed out the fact that like, he was 19 or 20 when he started dating Kristen, who was in her 30s. And that's kind of grooming. Okay. I've, I've not lied about the fact that I'm very uncomfortable with young people dating older people. It makes me very uncomfortable. But she fucked that kid up. Okay. He dated a woman who looked just like his mother who fucked him up. And now that he's with this girl who is very young, she looks extremely young, you guys. She looks young. She looks young. I've said that several times. She's what, 21, 22. She's extremely young. Um, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous for this woman. It makes me nervous for James. Um, it doesn't make me nervous for Raquel because she really did, uh, dodge a bullet, I will say, except for the fact that Raquel is also really bad at making good decisions. Uh, she is now dating Peter. Okay. Uh, which seems to be a rite of passage, I feel, at Vanderpump Rules. Every girl has to hook up with Peter. I think every every single woman on this show, every single person that has ever worked at Sir has hooked up with Peter. They've all hooked up with Stassi, Sheena, Katie. Everybody has hooked up with Peter. So it's only right that Raquel does it too, right? You have a back alley. You can't have back alley cigarettes anymore because these girls stop smoking. Um, but maybe go have a back alley vape. And hook up with Peter because I think that's necessary. But now she's also going to move on to hook up with shorts, which is crazy, which is cuckoo banuno. Okay. What are you doing, Raquel? I'm so happy for you. But mama, what are you doing? Shorts? Why shorts? Anybody else? Anybody else? She's like, oh, James is a man child. He's so immature. There's all these things wrong with him, blah, blah, blah. I hope, you know, Allie has more self-confidence because he can be so mean when he's angry. Girl, look at Katie. 
Katie's finally coming out of a depression cocoon because she was with this man who was dragging her down and you are walking into that depression cocoon. Well, good for you. Good luck. I can't wait to watch. Um, very excited for that. Um, all right, let's move over to Real Houses of Miami. Um, the ladies go to the Bahamas. They go and stay at the Bahamar, which was first introduced to us by Dorit Kemsley on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills several seasons ago. Uh, let's not forget that was the trip where we did not get this footage, but we got it on social media. There was a girl, there's a woman who was chasing around Dorit, demanding money for Beverly Beach and asking her to pay her friend back. <laughs> That's the Bahamar. Um, the ladies are all on this trip. The only person who doesn't go is Marisol. Um, Marisol's, uh, got COVID or something. She doesn't, she can't go. Um, I don't really remember why she didn't go. I was watching last night in a NyQuil slumber. So I apologize if I miss very blatant things. Um, but the big conversation on this episode is two different things. One is Alexia's relationship with, um, with Adriana and Adriana and Julia's gifts to these ladies in forms of crystals. And there is something a brouhaing in this group where they believe that there is a witchcraft. Um, Julia and, and Adriana are doing a nice thing. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say I know I am a Julia lover and I'm going to defend her. Julia and Adriana are doing a nice thing by getting, getting these girls crystals. I think Julia is going to a Cuban shop because it means more when it's coming from a place of somebody else's culture, right? So she's going into a place that means a lot to this group of women, the culture of Miami. And she's getting them a gift and she's giving it to them and all that stuff. And of course, of course, Alexia reads deeply into it, only thinks of the negative, says, you know, this is so weird. Why are you there? Why are you thinking about me negatively? And Alexia brings up this thing about the evil eye. And she says that she believes that she is often the victim of an evil eye. And this frustrated me so much because culturally speaking, like South Asians were really big on that too. Pakistanis as sort of a, an extension of Middle Eastern or Persian culture and South Asian culture were really big on the evil eye. That stuff is really, really big. Um, and I say we're big on it in the sense that it's something that is very often talked about this that or this or that negative thing happened because somebody gave somebody an evil eye. And I've got a lot of different thoughts about it because I have also experienced a level of tragedy in my life, right? Like you guys know my son was diagnosed with brain cancer when he was 3 years old. And so when he got really sick, there's a lot of people coming to me with that stuff, right? Like, oh, evil eye, who gave you the evil eye? Somebody we call it Nazar, Kisina Nazar Lagadi, which literally means somebody gave your son the evil eye. Somebody gave your and if my kids ever get sick, somebody's always like, oh, that's what happens. Your kids are so cute that somebody unintentionally gave you the evil eye, right? As a person who believes in science, but somebody who is actually very deeply spiritual, it's interesting for me to try. It's it's taken time for me to try to navigate that. What does that mean for me? How do I in how do I react to this when somebody says that stuff? As a person with sense, I don't believe that my child got cancer because somebody gave him the evil eye because that is not how science works. Um, that's not how cancer works. That's not how genetics work. That's just not how the world works. You don't, people don't get sick because somebody gave you the evil eye. People get sick because biology and, 
and the anatomy is what it is. People get sick. It just happens. Bad things just happen sometimes, and that's not necessarily caused by somebody's evil eye. It just happens. Um, People tend to say things like that of so-and-so gave you the evil eye because it is – it's almost this like it's easier to believe. It's like conspiracy theories. It's easy to believe it. it. It gives you a sense of reason. You know, when bad things happen, people are looking for reason. Um, so it gives people something easy to blame. It gives them a reason for why something terrible is happening, especially to a child. Um, and I understand that. I just don't believe it because that's just, again, not how science works, right? In the case of Alexia, Alexia is a person who says, I believe that I get the evil eye a lot because of all the tragedy that I've gone through. Because Alexia is the kind of person who would not do any self-reflection, who would not, who always needs something to blame. You know, there's always a reason for why something is happening to Alexia. We met Alexia's ex-husband in the beginning of this episode. This is a man that was in the Cocaine um, Cowboys documentary. And Alexia listen, that boy Frankie's love for his father is really sweet and really wonderful. And I'm glad that he has his dad around. But Alexia briefly mentions on the show that he was um, incarcerated a second time for drugs or something. You guys, go on the internet. Just give it a Google. This man was not arrested for, he was not in jail for drugs or something. He was in jail for being involved with minors, okay, for sexual battery against minors, okay? And this is important to note because Alexia has done this time and time again. She does it with her son, Peter. She does it without everything that she does, right? It is always excusable. There's always a reason for it, whatever. Oh, drugs or something, right? My my ex-husband was incarcerated for drugs or something. No, he was incarcerated because he's a piece of shit, He's an actual fucking criminal. He's a sex offender. He is a registered sex offender. He's a predator. That is what he did. But I bring this up because there is a level of willful ignorance that Alexia exists in. And people who are willfully ignorant lean on things like believing that they have the evil eye on them, believing that there is witchcraft or demons or something that is causing bad to happen. Because people that are willfully ignorant also ignore when they themselves are doing bad things or putting themselves in bad positions or ignoring red flags. And that is what Alexia does. So Alexia will choose to lean on things like paranoia and these mystic arts and and evil eye and spirits and things like that when it co- when it suits her and when it makes sense for her. She believes in jealousy being the reason for why things are happening to her rather than ever taking any accountability for the shit that she does because she is incapable of it. Okay. So Alexia believing that Adriana or and Julia are doing something evil by giving those crystals is because she always wants to have a reason in her back pocket for why terrible things are happening to her instead of acknowledging that she allows terrible people in her life, instead of acknowledging the fact that she is perhaps a terrible person herself, okay? But I will say, this episode without Marisol there 
she's kind of tolerable. <laughs> she's fun to be around, right? She's having a great time. Marisol's not there sucking the energy out of the room. Marisol believes that she's gaining weight and she can't feel her mom's presence and she feels like something is wrong and there's somebody doing witchcraft against her. Girl, you're a drunk. Whatever you believe is probably because you're a drunk. It's because you're an alcoholic and you're aging. You're probably gaining weight. That's all it is. You freaking weirdo. I can't stand all that stuff. Like, I just, I can't, there's, like... I know I said that I like Teresa, by the way, earlier. I recognize the hypocrisy here because Teresa and Alexia are basically the same person. Teresa at least is like going to therapy. She's like doing something about it. You know what I mean? Like she's, of course, going to have to. It's going to be a long journey for Teresa to take any ownership for what she did. But at least she's calling what she went to prison. She's not saying camps or whatever she used to say. She's at least acknowledging what's going on in her life now, right? Alexia never acknowledges what's happening in her life. She always has a way of kind of brushing it under the rug and moving on. Um, she still hasn't apologized to Adriana for the stuff that she did with uh, with the boy, the man, the boy, the grown-ass man that she was dating. But when she has this conversation with Adriana, you know, Adriana is very clear of being like, I feel like we don't connect when you're around with Marisol. I think it's very obvious, like, what Alexia is saying that, Adriana chose to be buddies with Julia instead of and protecting Julia and making sure Julia has like coaching for the show instead of being, you know, the Trace Amigas, if you will, with Marisol and Alexia, as they had likely probably planned. Right. Um, I think that's what it is. It's more so like, who are you aligning with in the show rather than who are you rather than anything else? But of course, they're having this nice moment and Marisol comes in with her dumbass fucking prop being a pain in the ass. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode is uh, Larsa Pippen's braids. Now, Larsa Pippen um, is not my favorite person. Uh, Larsa Pippen, when asked if she is Middle Eastern, um, I don't think that she's ever acknowledged that she's Middle Eastern. Uh, she, I think she was asked and she said that she, her, she's a Syrian. Um, she says that she, her parents are a Syrian. Her mom is from Lebanon and her dad is from Syria. Where's Morocco at guys? Where is Morocco at? Larsa Pippen came in with braids saying, I've been getting braids since I was on vacation. Girl, there are little white girls in New Jersey who have been going to the Jersey shore to get braids. That doesn't mean that they should be getting braids. Okay. Larsa, Larsa will choose to be any anything else rather than Middle Eastern, and it's always funny to me. She says she's Assyrian, which is not the same as Syrian, but she says she's Assyrian. I think that that's actually what um, Jennifer Aiden's family is. I think they belong to an Assyrian Christian community, um, also. So it's like a it's an ethnicity of people in the Mediterranean area, right? Um, I think it goes back to like Mesopotamia or something. Like I'm not a historian here and I apologize I'm fucking that up, but it's a type of people. Like it's like Armenian people. It's a type, it's an ethnicity of people. Um, and uh, Larsa Pippen says that she's Assyrian and her parents are from Lebanon and Syria, but she never says she's Middle Eastern. And then this episode, she says that her her grandparents are Moroccan. Okay, that does not explain why you have braids in your head. <laughs> and in the 
words of Gertie, that's a bold choice. That's a bold choice. Just because people have been doing it for a long time doesn't mean that we should keep doing it, guys. Doesn't mean that we should keep doing it, okay? That's the answer there. Um, I think that's it for my thoughts on these shows. I know that this was a really mini episode, but guys, I'm still very sick. And I'm about to go take another dose of cold medication and hit the hay. So I hope you have a lovely Saturday. Um, apologize if I uh, apologies if I missed something. I apologize if I mixed up Gorga and Judice like a million times. Um, apologize if I mixed up names. But um, I'm just trying to live here, okay? <laughs> I will be back um, next week to talk about probably the Super Bowl. Um, and hopefully the Eagles win because you guys know I'm uh, – gang gang bird bird gang over here um i'm gonna watch that and watch obviously the rihanna halftime show uh i will be back next week to talk to my brother about all the things that happened i will be back to talk to arthi about family karma and rahel says the potomac and then next week on thursday night there is going to be a very special episode of my podcast with my absolute favorite dream guests. And I really, really hope you guys tune in for that. I'm going to be talking about New Jersey with two of my most favorite people in the entire universe in the podcasting space. Um, no spoilers on who that is. Just tune in and check that out. I'll be back then. I hope you guys have a good one. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I will be back when I'm back. Bye-bye.